0: You are listening to an HD Smartcast original. Welcome to She Diaries, an exclusive podcast series for women entrepreneurs, brought to you by SheAtWork.com, a one stop knowledge hub for women entrepreneurs. This podcast is an HD Smartcast original and is available on HDSmartcast.com, India's fastest growing podcast producing platform. Through She Diaries, the She at Work team will bring to you meaningful conversations on women empowerment and entrepreneurship with a view to educate, support and motivate women entrepreneurs around the world.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Ruby Sana, founder of She at Work. Today on She Diaries, we have with us Rachel Jarosh, President and CEO and a global community of 72,000 plus students across 35 countries and 1,800 plus college campuses. Enactus is focused on nurturing social entrepreneurship projects among students. Accompanying Rachel is uh, Shmita Ramkumar, the Chief Program Officer for Enactus India, who is herself a youth development and social impact enthusiast. Welcome to She Diaries.
2: Thank you, it's lovely to be here.
1: So, starting off, uh, Rachel, you know, I have attended uh, the ENACTUS World Cup, as I was mentioning to you earlier, and it had been quite an experience seeing all those students from across the countries. And luckily that year, India won, and we were super excited. So, you know, I would like you to elaborate to our listeners a bit about the ENACTUS global community and some of the interesting social entrepreneurship campaigns students globally are working on as a part of ENACTUS. And of course, Mita, if you could add the
2: India bit to it. Sure, I would love to share more about Anactus with you. So first of all, um, thank you for welcoming us here today. I'm I'm delighted to be here and delighted to be talking to the Work community. Anactus, as Ruby, as you mentioned, is a global community. We are a network not only of 72,000 plus students on over 1,700 college and university campuses around the world, but also an incredible network of alumni, faculty advisors at those campuses, and business advisors, executives, and judges who support our student learning. And what our goal is ultimately is to create a better world, but to do that through the power of, and uh, business as a force for good. And that means that many of our students start out by forming teams and launching projects that ultimately become social enterprises. So not every one of our students will become a social entrepreneur but we believe that entrepreneurial mindset is a critical skill set that more students need as they prepare to think about their future and that combining that with an understanding and importance and value in sustainability issues the environment and how business can be a force for good is critical what makes as unique though in large part is that we don't tell students what issues they might attempt to solve with their social enterprises. Instead, we prepare them to tackle issues that are of priority for them, to bring new solutions to the marketplace and to do so in a team cohort. That's something that I think makes us particularly unique and allows people with a wide array of interest, areas of study and passion, gives them a true channel Uh, to make an impact on the issues they prioritize most. Shmita, you may want to speak a little bit about some of the issues that students in Enactus India are confronting today. Sure, um, I'd love to.
3: So, across the Enactus network, across all of our 35 countries and over, um, I think, 72,000 students globally, What we uh, work on, we kind of use the UN Sustainable Goals as a framework to be able to do our projects and report out impact. Um, So you may be familiar with the 17 UN Sustainable Goals that were launched in uh, 2015, and we have up to 2030, where as a collective world, all of us are working towards achieving those goals to be able to make the planet and the place we live in, uh, the societies that we live in, a much better place. Um, So in Enactus, what we do is uh, we let students, as Rachel mentioned, figure out what their communities are in need of and what challenges their communities and their local societies face so that they can respond to those challenges and be of absolute relevance within their country. In India, we have seen that most of our projects revolve around four key pillars. Um, One being clean water and sanitation, which is of utmost importance in India. We also have a national mission, as you're aware, Swachh Bharat, that is aligned with that pillar. The second big pillar that uh, our students love working on and is very relevant is the pillar of gender equality and women empowerment. So we've got that as a big focus. Um, We've also got a very big focus on education and literacy in general especially when it, as it relates to access to education in areas that currently have absolutely no access. Um, and then the fourth large pillar that is uh, receiving a lot more interest these days is around climate action. Everything from uh, waste management right up to pollution and recycling, upcycling, etc. So we see a lot of projects around these four pillars, not just in India, but I think also globally, Um, In India, it makes sense because those are also the four national um, CSR missions of sort. So, we receive funding for these four pillars as well.
1: Great, great. Very interesting. And now, uh, my next question to you, Rachel. You know, uh, in this post-COVID world, you are definitely focused on the 17 SDGs. uh, But do you feel that the role of social entrepreneurship uh, is becoming more important now in the post-COVID world?
2: absolutely and i I always think it's important to define our terms when we speak about social entrepreneurship or social enterprises we look at any enterprise that prioritizes transformative social impact as well as financial sustainability and to your point in the post-covid world as we emerge i think one thing is particularly critical and it is that the economic impact of the pandemic be addressed head-on. Social entrepreneurs are particularly uh, well positioned to do that, in large part because the challenges we'll face are not only economic, but we all understand the um, disparate impact on disadvantaged communities or on select communities in any country worldwide. So building a sustainable plan uh, for entrepreneurship is going to be critical to the recovery of every economy in the world. At least that's my belief, and we're seeing it already. We know that our students are already focused on how they can help small communities uh, revive and thrive as we emerge from the pandemic. Social entrepreneurship uh, and social entrepreneurs are, frankly, particularly primed for this moment in our history, and I'm very hopeful for our future and for how we will recover together as a result. So
1: what are you seeing in terms of some of the emerging sectors globally uh, in which students are interested uh, right now?
2: Shmita, maybe I'll ask
1: you to start that in India and then I'll take no, it to the full yes, across no, the spectrum network. Better. Yeah, you especially mentioned about climate change being an interesting English, Mitha. So, and you also mentioned to me during our conversation prior to the podcast that uh, in spite of the pandemic and schools and colleges being closed, uh, students were actively involved still in their ongoing social entrepreneurship projects. So, which are some of the new sectors or the emerging sectors that they're really interested in taking up?
3: Sure. Um, Just as a follow through with what Rachel was saying, um, what we noticed in the pandemic is entrepreneurship, especially social entrepreneurship, just became even more relevant. Um, And through the pandemic um, in India, what we've noticed is um, our students beautifully pivoted their projects to an online or a digital model, making sure that their beneficiaries and their communities were always um, taken care of and were able to continue the social businesses that were started um, I think in India we are increasingly seeing a lot of projects um, taking the digital route as the how to, but the why still remains the big the big pillars of either water and sanitation um, or skilling. I think skilling is something that a lot of our projects are uh, currently working on, and we see that as a um as a key need, especially in an economy like India where unemployment is a problem. We have many more people and very scarce jobs at this point. so we uh, a lot of our startups, a lot of our social businesses, are about employment generation and not just employment seeking. So, with skilling being at the focal point at the center of all of this, a lot of social businesses are currently focusing on how do we skill people, like improve their existing skills or provide them with new skills that will help them um, seek jobs or start something of their own. And obviously, the digital piece is um, is integral mm-hmm. to all of this. Um, so, mm-hmm. we're finding projects taking um, either using the digital platform of using apps to be able to achieve this or uh, being able to use uh, existing solutions that teams had found around climate change and and, and education but again uh, take the digital route because of the pandemic but that has only um, I think helped them pivot to a model a more sustainable and will be able to achieve farther impact because of the fact that they are all now uh, available on a digital platform, and they can reach uh, much farther than just their own community.
2: Yeah, I agree completely. And then when I think about that question, Ruby, from a global lens, something uh, really has emerged that I think will change how many social entrepreneurs think about the issues they seek to address. And that is that I think we all have, or certainly are gaining a more intimate understanding of the interconnectedness of many of the social, economic and environmental issues that we face and so I've been encouraged to watch an students around the world embracing um, the realities of that intersection especially as it relates to environmental and sustainability issues um, and the quality of life for people and communities deeply affected uh, by climate change uh, intimately. Great.
1: Any interesting project that you can really recall quickly, um, Shmeta, in India?
3: Sure. I think one of the projects that I'd like to focus on maybe two of them. So one is um, we had a project which was, um, which was around menstrual hygiene and menstrual healthcare, which is a big problem in India. That also relates to pollution, right? Because of the current sanitary products and the amount of pollution that creates in either water bodies or as landfills. Um, We have a team from um, Mumbai, the HR College of Commerce, that has worked on uh, on a reusable, eco-friendly sanitary napkin that is much more affordable, but also provides employment opportunities to, I think, more than 50 women in that community who are involved in just making it and also selling it. And now they've been able to find a market all across India for that product with a brand called Inayat. Um, So that not only provides women employment opportunities, but also solves the bigger problem of um, access to um, sanitation products while being environmentally friendly as well. So that's one project that has really pivoted over the last two to three years. and I think another one is uh, is the one that won the uh, the national competition this year in India, which is around the problem of pollution, In especially in the North. Uh, we have pollution uh, because of burning uh, of crops, residual crops. And the Enactus team from Hansraj College uh, came up with a project where they would use that residual waste and create three different project verticals. One of it was to support with Uh, mushroom cultivation so that served as the bed and the nutrition for mushroom cultivation again uh, huge employment opportunities for people who are working on that particular vertical the second was to use the residue um, to create wooden boards that were then used to build uh, toilets and other facilities which had no access to uh, sanitation And then the third vertical, I think, was to use the same residue in some form of handicraft. Um, So, yeah, so upcycling, recycling, but at the same time, creating products um, and employment opportunities, thereby giving people access to a livelihood when they did not have one.
1: Great, great. Now, reason my next question to you is that, you know, Students are working on such interesting projects during the college days. But we noticed that, you know, uh, very few of them and very few women actually take up entrepreneurship as a career, especially in the social entrepreneurship space after they leave college, in spite of all these interesting projects during the association with Enactus. Why do you feel this is so? And do you feel there's also a myth that, you know, it's it's not ethical or it's not right or it's not it's very difficult to create a profitable business around and a social entrepreneurship idea?
2: Well, I think that that answer is very complex because it varies so much by culture, by community and by country. But I will say that there are a few hurdles that are fairly common uh, for all entrepreneurs that have an outsized impact on young women, which is why we're so proud of uh, the majority of our students who are young women um, really pursuing Uh, next steps in trying to not only address their own projects and scale and build them, but also think about these issues for the broader community. The first, of course, is in in a variety of countries around the world, maybe every one I'd be inclined to say, is that female business owners really have to defy social expectations in a number of ways, right? And it doesn't really matter if you're in the U.S. or India, Europe or Asia. um, It is still clearly an unusual opportunity when women entrepreneurs speak business with male with others. Um, but the second thing that I think is actually structural and something we can all focus on in terms of policy is access to funding. Um, and this is a really particularly difficult challenge for women-owned businesses in many countries around the world. Access to capital venture funding to angel funding um, is significantly lower for female-led entrepreneurial endeavors than it is for male. And that may reflect a number of things, both on the supply and the demand side of that equation. But there are certainly ways to overcome this issue. And one of them, of course, is for female investors and, and women around the world to support women entrepreneurs. And, and whether you are male or female, I think having that strong network of support is critical. Um, We all know that, but it's no surprise that nearly half of female founders around the world um, report a lack of available mentors to them. That limits their growth, or at least they believe limits their growth. So I really think about building a network of support and through that, ensuring that access to funding for female entrepreneurs is available are two critical steps that we can all take and we can all contribute to in some way. Uh, to remedy that difference between female and male entrepreneurs. Shmeta, you may want to speak to the specifics Uh, in India.
1: Yeah, Shmeta, because, you know, we all know that in India, women run only around 14% of Indian businesses and mostly all of them are self-financed. So, you know, do you feel, what has been experienced with students, especially women in India, you're working with them, with the girl students, do you feel uh, they are at par with students globally? And, you know, what is, what is the challenge that they face? I think, uh, so
3: interestingly, it's two different things here in terms of how we uh, see the growth and, and how we see the comparison between global and India. Um, when it comes to Enactus students, um, I'm super proud to say this, that in India, we've got 64% of Enactus students are, are girls. We've got 64% female yeah. students in Enactus. Um, and, and how do they compare globally to other students? they're absolutely on par Um, and we see that year and year over and over again every year they participate in these global competitions be it events it just doesn't speak to the to the power of their innovation and their idea and the way they implement it but just even them as individuals and as people Um, i think with technology with the opportunity to be able to collaborate with students and teams across the world um, and the exposure that our students today have in India, I don't think they are um, they are behind at all. They are very much in front, they are in the forefront, they are leading this, uh, if I had to say it, from an Enactus India perspective. So we're super happy and proud that we do have a program where women are in the lead, women are in charge. Uh, we've got majority of teams where our Enactus team leaders are all girls. And they do extremely well when it comes to projects collaborations the kind of impact that they create uh, and the careers they go on to take up in their life after their Enactus career so that way I think we um, in terms of Anactus and the way students have taken to the program and have proved themselves it is uh, they rank they rank very high um, if I could say that in the global context but coming to entrepreneurship in general in India I do agree with you that um, that is a different challenge or a different problem and to a large extent, I think it has to do with uh, the social stigma, as, as Rachel was mentioning. I think that social barrier to be able to start something, get the mentorship, get the funding. Um, and to some extent, I think in India, we all agree it is still a little uh, male dominated to some extent, especially in the business world. So it is going to take a little bit more time than a few other developed countries for us to be able to cross that barrier and um, and get to a equal ratio, if not more. But I think that is the primary challenge because everything else is related to that in India, be it funding, be it opportunities, be it mentorship, all of that is related to the basic, the social and the societal stigma or that barrier per se. Yeah, you're right.
1: And you know uh, you're talking about this entire ecosystem that we have to create to promote entrepreneurship as a culture. So, Enactus works closely with corporates. So, in your opinion, Rachel, are they doing enough to contribute to the growth of the entrepreneurship ecosystem globally, and especially in countries like India? Maybe Shmita you can add to that?
2: Yeah, I'll start there. And Shmita, I'll hand it to you to speak to India specifically. But here's what I will say. I'm incredibly proud of the partnerships we have with corporations around the world. Um, many of them, and perhaps I have a biased view, because those who do work with us clearly value a healthy entrepreneurship ecosystem, and that's why they partner with us specifically. Many of them are very focused on similar goals that we are, which is how do we use business as a force for good to address some of the most fundamental issues in the communities in which they operate and in which their employees and their customers live? And so that's, partly why they join uh, our work to begin with and support it so uh, robustly. Um, And then, of course, we have the really um, deep honor of welcoming employees from many of those companies. And when we talk about companies, it's sometimes easy to think of them as faceless, but we work very intimately with many employees from many of the companies that partner with us, and those employees are serving as key mentors. And as we speak about female entrepreneurship in particular, Having a network of business executives willing to support all of our leaders, uh, but certainly the young women in our program is critical to our success. So there is always something that we can do more. Each one of us, whether we're in an organization, uh, our own household or our company. And there's certainly opportunities for companies to do more. I'm incredibly honored by the companies uh, that work with Enactus and the way in which they work to invest and support in this next generation of entrepreneurial leaders. Schmidt, it would be uh, wonderful for you to speak a little bit specifically to India. Absolutely.
1: Um,
3: So I think in India, we have seen the trend change for the better, definitely. Um, Initially, I know Ruby, you must be aware of our CSR law that was launched uh, in 2013. Uh, And at that point, CSR funding was all for um, social impact and entrepreneurship didn't play a very big role. But I think over the last few years, especially the last two, three years, even with our um, corporate partners in India, we're seeing that they are increasingly more interested to see how our social impact projects are becoming more sustainable social businesses um, and what kind of entrepreneurs we're developing, even even if they were just micro entrepreneurs within the communities. Um, So a lot of the CSR funding in India today is uh, being focused or is being channeled to um, social impact projects that have a much more um, sustainable and scalable uh, approach. So it's towards social businesses, which comes under the larger bucket of entrepreneurship. So we're seeing that trend quite a bit. and uh, and even with our Enactus projects and the funding that we're receiving for the Enactus projects, I think what corporates want to see is it's great that we are giving all of this money and there is social good, but let's make sure that we are uh, we are creating a structure that ensures the social good is much more sustainable and scalable. Therefore, they are uh, they are kind of shifting gears to social entrepreneurship versus just social impact or charity.
1: If you could tell us, Rachel, that in your opinion, do you feel that entrepreneurial education uh, or training courses are helpful uh, in making future entrepreneurs besides all the mentoring, et cetera, that you're already doing?
2: I always think that uh, avenues to learning are critical, and it's difficult for me to speak to that broadly, except to say um, that many learning and training opportunities uh, reflect what you put into them. So I would encourage aspiring female entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs of either gender, uh, to take advantage of the opportunities that come their way, whether it's online classes, education, or training at local programs, or reading. There are some fantastic books, of course, about business, entrepreneurship, and leadership that are really sensational and can help shape one's experience. But at the end of the day, it's really about the integration of all of that learning and putting it into practice. And that's why we're so proud of the students at Enactus. know, we work very hard on helping create a powerful channel for students to apply the learning they've done in other places, particularly in the classroom. Um, and to create real world experience because a huge part of entrepreneurship or of any business endeavor, of course, is not being afraid to fail uh, and being able to recover when you fail, learn from that failure and keep moving forward. And that's why we're so proud of, of the experience of actus for our students
1: that's that's great advice i think also rachel for entrepreneurs because i'm being an entrepreneur myself i feel it's it's not just about starting a venture it's also about sustaining it amidst all the challenges and not being afraid of failure that's the most important thing women are very shy to accept you know their failure so uh, you know one last bit of advice you know if in one word or two words what are the two or three things that you both quickly would like uh, women on to future entrepreneurs to remember
3: At all, let you start. Yeah. So I think Ruby, you just said it. You are a woman entrepreneur. You've lived the journey. Um, You've walked the journey. So I think for what you said makes absolute sense. Do not be shy and do not do not have the barriers in your head. I think it's about taking that risk, putting yourself out there, seeking the mentors, seeking um, the education and the training, and and giving it your best shot, and not having uh, the fact that you are a woman entrepreneur or the fact that you are a woman. Be the barrier to be able to do what you really want to do.
2: Yeah, Schmita. Building on that, Ruby, uh, you know, congratulations to you on your journey. I would say, as you just noted, failure is an inevitable part of success. And I think, to your point, for many of us, for many women, it's hard to embrace that reality. So don't be afraid to take risks and fail, uh, and and don't let it affect your confidence and keep learning. Uh, the key to growth and innovation and success is knowledge. Every successful entrepreneur I've ever met is a voracious learner, uh, whether that's reading, networking, courses, training, um, or shows like this. So thank you so much for the opportunity.
1: Thanks a lot for joining us. It's been great learning about Enactus, and we wish Enactus a much more successful journey in
2: India. You're doing a great work for the students. Thank Thank you so much, Ruby. This was uh, lovely. Thank Thank you. Thanks, Rachel. And congratulations on your work at She at Work. We're incredibly uh, excited to watch your journey as well. Thanks,
1: Rachel. Thanks. We hope to have you up once again later on She Diaries. Thank you.
0: If you would like to feature on She Diaries, you can write to us at info at at sheatwork.com. For more related content, visit our website sheatwork.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. To give us your feedback, reach out to us at HT Smartcast. We're present on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. To listen to more podcasts, log on to hdsmartcast.com or suno nae nazariye se. This was an HD Smartcast original.
2: HD Smartcast